0: See everyone as a seeker. You know, the corporate executive is seeking advancement and maybe power, maybe wealth, maybe just self-respect, whatever. You know. Musician may be seeking fame. the drunk in the alley is seeking just to feel better, right? Get through another day. Lots of people out there sort of seeking some identity that they're comfortable with, seeking comfort, seeking security, seeking companionship. I mean, all all of these different ways of just sort of seeking something to feel better, right? Then we get into the spiritual world. And then there's enlightenment, right? <laughs> Eternal bliss. But what all, all of these things have in common is that they're all oriented towards the future, right? Something, something in the future is going to happen, I hope, that will make me feel better than I do now. You know, so there's a sort of a built-in dissatisfaction there that what's happening right now isn't sufficient but if I get somewhere if i if I get something, acquire something, achieve something, attain something, then then I'll be happy right so it's almost not so much what the goal is; it's much more about how I'll feel when I get to the goal right So in that sense, the goal's not terribly relevant, whether it's. You know, we're seeking in, you know, one corporate world or, you know, in whatever field we happen to be. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, you know, various forms of addiction. Maybe it's spirituality. It's all sort of oriented towards, you know, improving how I will feel when I get there, right? So, in that sense, we can see this sort of commonality, however it plays out functionally or dysfunctionally. Um, But it's it's oriented towards the future and it has everything to do with how I imagine I'll feel when I get there. Right? That makes sense? So, the question is, what's absent now that is preventing me from feeling however I think I'll feel when I get there? Because that's the assumption, right? Whatever's happening right now is somehow lacking. That make sense? I mean, if, it was, if nothing is lacking, what am I seeking? Right? So there's, there's some sense that, that what's present now isn't quite enough, and therefore I have to seek for what will be fulfilling. You know, just, just logical, right? but the but the presumption is that there's something absent in this moment the only problem is that every moment is the moment that we're living it's always it's always in the present moment and this hoped for some event in the future that's going to resolve everything uh, is the promise that's never kept right it's never we never get to the future. It's always held out there as the the carrot somehow that'll make everything okay. Right? And even if we feel like pretty good, you know, right now it's yeah, but it, it could be better, right? And there's always this movement. Um, even the whole, you know, American idealism. The American economy is built on that. Things will get better in the future. You know the. The, um, you know, our kids will be better off than we are, our, you know, the economy will always grow, you know, I'll be able to, I don't know, retire comfortably. I mean, they'll, there's always this movement into the future of, yeah, but things will be better, you know? And so, I mean, that's okay. I mean, it's sort of a, I guess, a form of optimism, but it's also a form of denial of what's happening right now. And the, the the difficulty is that our entire life is spent right now. You know, for all the effort that spiritual people make to be in the now, no one's ever succeeded in ever getting out of the now. It's always, it's always now, right? Our mind may be thinking about what we'll do next week or, you know, the vacation we had 10 years ago, but the only time we can ever do that is now, right? It's always now. So our attention may be somewhere else, but the reality is this present moment, it's always now. The scenery's changes, of course, but where we inevitably are is now, always, right? So if our perspective is, yeah, but that's not quite good enough, right? It's something somewhere else other than here and now that is going to satisfy me, is going fulfill, to fulfill some desire, even if I can't quite define what that desire is very well. You know, or mayb- maybe we can. Maybe we think when I, um, I don't know. When I'm in a relationship, you know, when we have kids, or when the kids leave home, when I retire, when you know, so always, you know, at 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 some point, will be, um, you know, some somehow. Um, something that I'm looking forward to. That will be better than whatever's happening now. So it it, it really begs the question: Well, what's absent now? What, what is it about this current moment that is not entirely satisfactory, right? So what is that? You know, it's like, it, it's almost as, you know, we can hear that, and we can say, yeah, but not like this, you know. Not like, you know as i am you know not with the shortcomings that i have not with you know the mental patterns the regrets the guilt the shame the uh, unmet dreams so all the, the the mental structure certainly that can't be what you're talking about right so f- for a while um, maybe for a long while, and for most people, seemingly for their entire life, the expectation is that there's something on the outside that will be ultimately fulfilling. You know that there's there's some there's some achievement. You know the the home on the beach or the vacation that we always dreamt of or the you know something that will happen in on the outside you know maybe you know our political party will win that that will that will that will do it or maybe you know my football team will you know be national champs that'll that'll make me feel good <laughs> you know and um you know at at some point we might begin to suspect maybe, maybe we've had a lot of things that we've looked forward to and we've attained and it feels good and there's no denying that you know we get something that we've worked hard for some skill you know some position, some relationship, some house some situation feels good you know we don't have to pretend that it doesn't right and one of the benefits of achieving um, you know, things that we've always dreamt of is that um, we can we can appreciate that, be grateful for it, and we can also see that it is, uh, it doesn't satisfy this yearning. You know, that it may for a while, you know, it's like you buy a new car, it feels good the rest of the day. Maybe even for a week, you know, it feels great. <laughs> and, but at some point it's, you know, just the next vehicle, All right? So, for a short while, this sense of wanting can subside and that feels good. But then, it's whatever is achieved, there's this sense of, it's not quite enough. I mean, I, I want something else. I want something more. I want something better. Right. and we can look at people that you know on the outside appear to have everything that any the most optimistic person could ever hope for you know musicians and actors that have all the fame and money and wealth and opportunity that could ask for and yet it's like yeah there's there's more you know there's You know, what about tomorrow when people forget about me or, you know, there's that sense of anxiety of, uh, you know, the other shoe could drop or, you know, and then there's this tendency to just look for just the next stimulation, you know, maybe the next, you know, recognition on social media, maybe the next relationship, maybe the next drug. You know, we can see that operating, you know, where this just, it's no matter what is gained, there's always a sense of not enough, right? Okay. So at some point, you know, we might have the good fortune to, um, you know, see this, the, that pattern <coughs> and be willing to even ask the question of, mm, Okay, is, is there anything else, you know? It's sort of a, you know, the sort of fabled midlife crisis, like, well, wait a minute, is this all there is? Is this what it's all about? You know, is, it, is, is there not something more than this? And um, so this this can be the, you know, a first movement towards looking for something um, looking in a different direction, right? So, you know, up to that point, it's, you know, our attention, it may be outward, right? Towards what life can offer me, what the next experience um, can offer me. I mean, it can be big things. It can be, you know, just looking for, you know, like, I'm looking forward to going out to dinner tonight, and then a movie, and then You know, and then then tomorrow I'll do, you know, it can be, you know, that sort of rapid looking for the next moment to satisfy me, or it could be a long-term goal. But either way, it's that outward movement. But at some point, we may be fortunate enough to catch on to that, that it's the, um, the world as such can be beautiful, amazing, challenging, um, rewarding and there's something about it that doesn't have the capacity to fully satisfy us and at that point there's this can be if we're willing to to wonder if there's something else so it's actually a, a turning around and instead of looking outward you know a turning around to looking inward and um what usually happens is when we turn around to begin looking more inwardly is that we're um astonished and embarrassed and overwhelmed by the um all the things that the mind can come up with you know and this um is often what happens in meditation, right? You know, you sit quietly and nothing much happening and the mind just says, okay, (laughs) now's my chance to uh, just, you know, let loose and, and think about all those things that I may not have wanted to think about, all those silly things, all those, you know, things I don't really want to remember, all those, you know, all of that just seems to come forward. And what most people do with that in meditation is try to make it stop. Right? Anybody succeed in that? The, the problem with trying to make it stop is it's just another thought that you're adding to the mix. It's like there's these thoughts and then there's another thought saying, well, that shouldn't happen. You know, and I'm, I have the ability to make that stop. I'm sure of it. I just have to try harder. It might take me 10 years, maybe 20 years of meditation, but I'm, I'm sure I can do it. M- maybe. But can you see it still focusing on the outside? Before we were focused on, you know, life's events to sort of line them up in a way that will be satisfying. And now we're doing it the same way on the inside. We're trying to organize, manage our thinking process in order to do what? Make me feel good, right? Still the same movement. We're just doing it on the inside rather than the outside. The. The thing that scares us is like, well, if, if I don't try to make it stop, it'll just keep going. Right? Well, what would happen if I just took my hands off the wheel? I mean, who knows what could happen? I mean, that's the fear, right? It's like the fear of losing control. It's the same thing we're doing on the outside world, trying to control events, situations to my liking, right? So things are more comfortable for me, more safe, more pleasant. So it's actually the same movement when we try to do that on a psychological level. You know, I'm just gonna learn to control and manage this sort of noisiness that's happening in my mind in order to feel better. And if it's not happening now, I just have to try harder. But it's still placing the responsibility on our own happiness to something that's out beyond our control, namely our thinking process. I'm not I'm not talking about, you know, useful rational, things that we do at work kind of thinking, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about the kind of repetitive um, self-judgmental thoughts that cause us to suffer, that kind of thinking, you know, the 90% kind of thinking, that, that one. So one of the really useful things about meditation as I see it is to see that mechanism at work, see how the mind, um, just that thoughts appear. And one of the useful things about it is that What most people try to do is to control that, to manage it, to think the right thoughts, not think all those other thoughts, you know, think more spiritual thoughts. But the mind has a tendency to just come up with any old thing, right? Things that we may not want to think about, you know, all the self-critical things. Judgmental things, blame, regret, all all of that. And it seems to do it without our permission. Right? You ever notice that? You know, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you had a hard day the day before, and the mind just doesn't want to let it go. You know, it just, you know, is you know, it's not going to let you go back to sleep for a while. It's going to just think about, you know, without any resolution that just sort of replays the same video. So this is good information, right? To actually see that. And why I say it's good information is to see that what... What we, what we know is that thoughts appear and they stick around for a while, pleasant or not, and then at some point they recede in favor of another thought. And there's usually not a noticeable gap between them. It's just very linear words in our head, phrases, sentences, Thoughts, just one after another, on and on. Anybody notice that? So what I, when I say it's, it's good information, it's, it's, it's valuable to see that thoughts arise without our permission. We, we may decide to think something, but then we can wonder, well, why did I decide to think something? You know, there's, no, there's, no, there's no getting to the source of that, that kind of question. So if thoughts arise on their own and subside on their own, with or without our permission, um, are you responsible for your thoughts? If you say, yes, then you're responsible for all of them, right? There's no, well, I'm, I'm responsible for the good ones, but, you know. My mom or dad's responsible for all the other ones, right? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an all or nothing question, right? So if thoughts, if thoughts arise without our permission and stick around maybe longer or maybe not as long as we'd like and then recede in favor of another thought also just so seemingly arising that that's what we can say for sure i mean that can that's our direct observation that's what's that's what we can notice we presume that therefore there's someone thinking those thoughts, namely me, right? So that's what's really puzzling, because thoughts, thoughts happening are undeniable. But then there's a presumption, well, it's, it's me, me that's thinking those thoughts. But if, and I say it's a presumption because if we actually went and tried to go find that me, it is not there. There's thoughts, I mean there's thoughts about the me that's thinking the thoughts, but that's, it's just another thought. So we, we can, uh, you know, hear that and think, well, that's a problem, you know. Or we can think, well, you know, if if thoughts are just arising, then even the problematic thoughts in my head aren't really who I essentially am. They're just thoughts. Where Where did the thoughts come from? I mean, we can... Often trace back certain patterns to you know earlier times in our life, usually really early times in our life. You know certain ways we think about things, think about ourselves, but we we took on those patterns. Um, without knowing that we were taking on those patterns, right? I mean, you know, when we were 10 years old, um, you know, let's, I mean, a really common pattern is, you know, a sense of unworthiness, you know, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy, right? So where did that come from? I mean, it wasn't like when we were 10 years old, we consciously decided that, you know, we're sort of Planning out our future life and thinking, well, you know what? You know, I think when I'm an adult, I think what I'd really like to feel is being unworthy. You know, we d- we didn't do that. I mean, it just may have happened along the way, or um, you know, um, you know, all kinds of patterns. You know, maybe. You know, I'm a judgmental person. Maybe I feel like I'm an unlovable person. Maybe I feel like I don't, can't trust people. And all of these, all of these patterns that may cause us to suffer. How did we pick them up? You know, we didn't. We didn't take them on knowingly. We just sort of, you know, we found ourselves an adult, and you know, it seemed like there were these patterns. Of behavior, thought patterns that were happening, but the real question is that who we really are? All right. So if we're trying to resolve things by sorting out these behaviors and patterns and conditionings, if we're trying to, you know sort of rearrange those things, it's not all that much different, like arranging things in the outside world. You know, I'll get the new kitchen that'll make me happy. I'll change this over here, I'll get a better job I'll, you know, and now we're doing it. well, I'll try to get rid of that pattern and then um, this thought, and I'll try to you know change my diet and I'll try to do this and that. but it's the same same movement essentially, you know, because we believe that what we are is this. Thought patterns. That that's what we essentially are, and therefore, to feel okay about ourselves, we have to fix that first, right? Fix our karma, you know. Fix our bad habits. However, we think about it, you know. Somehow, somehow, as I am, um, it's you know, happiness and contentment and peace. Are not possible, but if I just fix these things over here, then, then i feel good, right? So as long as we believe that, then uh, th- th- we will see this journey or life, however you view it, as a self-improvement project. You know, I've just got to work harder to get there. And then once I sort of fix that, then maybe I'll be eligible to be happy. Sound familiar? So what if none of that was true? What if it just didn't work like that? So what, you know, it it seems like an essential part of the process to be willing to look at whatever, whatever arises when we're really willing to look at it whatever those sort of shadowy areas of ourselves, you know, just to be willing to see it. Right? And, um, but there's a difference between being willing to see it and to fight with it. The, the, the fighting with it is, um, you know, being self-judgmental about whatever those patterns happens to be. You know, because all, all of us, we got sort of a mixed bag growing up. You know, we got some probably pretty functional conditioning and probably some that wasn't so functional. You know, and then as an adult, we, you know, struggle with trying to enhance this, you know, be more like this, trying to keep that under wraps, you know, in order to find our way in the world. But when we're really looking to find some abiding sense of peace and tranquillity and contentment, um, we have to be willing to see see it all. you know it's not It's not sort of possible to suppress something to the extent that it won't ever raise its head again. And the only way through that is to allow it to be seen. I don't mean acted upon. That's a different thing. But to allow it to be seen clearly, objectively, and most importantly, non-judgmentally. It's just conditioning. It's not actually essentially what we are. (laughs) And to hear that it's not essentially who we are, even if that's taken on as just a concept, you know, as um, I like to call it a useful construct. You know, you may not know that that's true, but if you work with it as if it were true, it's helpful to say, well, what what about if I just allowed myself to, you know, when these feelings or thought patterns came up, what if I just allowed them to be there and didn't run away and didn't pretend that they weren't there and didn't blame them on anybody and just stayed present for it? What would happen? I'm not saying it's easy, Right? But I am saying that it has power to do. You know, it gives us. Um, it's the way through that, right? If, if we if we deny it and push it away and say it's too big for me to look at, it it just grows. It grows. It gets bigger, and so. Um, You know, at some point we have to decide whether we're willing to live with that for the duration of our life, or we're willing to look at it. That doesn't go away otherwise, and if we're willing to look at it, it means willing to look at everything, you know. It's a lot easier if, if what is looking at the conditioning knows that what we are essentially is not that conditioning. Conditioning is just something that happened. It happened to all of us. You know, it's like ch- childhood vaccinations. We all got them, you know. And so the the, the, the question is, You know, do we identify what we are as that package, you know, our life story and all the conditioning and all the self judgments and other people's judgments about us and how we view the world, that whole package, is that what we are or is there something more fundamental? And what we're pointing to this morning in the guided meditation is this capacity that we all have in equal measure already of being aware of whatever's happening. Um, I, I suggest that that's a possibility for what we essentially are. Everything else comes and goes, everything. Every situation, every thought, this body, everything comes and goes. Everything in the world of appearance, of form, of thought, of feeling, all of it, all of it comes and goes, and yet the the one thing that remains present for all of it, is this, this awareness. I mean, it's not, not difficult to notice, and so it is, raises the question, well, you know, if all these other things are temporary, but there's this one thing that's seemed to be present ever since I was a kid I wonder if that's who I could essentially be. So we can, you know, we, I've been using the term awareness or consciousness or the capacity to notice, you know, if, um, you know, if you're you know, of a more religious persuasion, we could call it spirit. In other words, it doesn't matter. I mean, the point is that this is something that uh, we don't have to believe in. We can just recognize that it's functioning now and always. And so from that perspective of just being aware of This conditioning, we get some daylight between what we're, the perspective from which we're viewing from and what we're looking at. And what we're looking at is the patterns and conditionings and successes and failures and all of that. So that's what we're looking at. But what we're looking from. Is that constraint? So we're not asking the mind to stop that, that's a losing game. The mind may slow down over time so that most of the time it is quiet but it won't it won't go in that direction if we're trying to make it quiet, because then we're, then we're just energizing it. That opposition is energy. But when we can allow it to just do its thing and remain present for it, um, you know, we're not trying to you know, remove ourselves from it, know, push it away, make it, you know, imaginary or an illusion or any of that. We can just see it for what it is. It's just, it's just thought, just patterns arising. And there's something that is, knows that that's what's happening. In, the, in this moment, the mind is busy. Okay. Next moment, it's quiet. Next moment, it's enjoying a walk in the woods. Next moment, it's sitting in front of a computer. No, no problem. Right? It's just the next occurrence that's happening all within this presence that we are, this awareness that we are. The difficulty is when we try to manage the experience. That's hard work. But life is a way of presenting the next experience. Have have you noticed? You know, we, we plan as best we can, and then life happens. And every once in a while, it's in alignment with what we planned. It's sort of like that's what they depend on in Las Vegas. You know, every once in a while, there's a payoff. Not often, but just enough to keep us in the game. But life, life continues to unfold. Most of the time we're, um, if not in opposition to it, at least trying to manage it, manage it to our own satisfaction. and. Um, that's frustrating, right? Because it doesn't often turn out like we would like it to. Sometimes. But then even when it does turn out like we were hoping it would, somehow that's not as satisfactory as what we had hoped for. So it There's a possibility of living where we still function, we still get up in the the morning, do what needs to be done, but there's not the expectation that something particular will happen at some point in the future that will um, be more delightful than whatever's happening in this moment. That's the trap. But we can't, we can't get out of that trap if we believe that what I am is this sort of conglomerate of my life story and all the thoughts that are going through my head. If we believe that that's a, the entirety of what I am rather than just the experience that I'm having, then it feels like, no, I've got to fix that. And that's, that's a lifelong process. Lifelong process that never comes to the end because we'll always find another thing that needs to be fixed. Right? But what we, what, here, here's the amazing, wonderful, liberating thing is that when we recognize that what's essential is this capacity to be present for whatever's happening. Um, Those things that seem to cause us the suffering gradually relax their grip. Doesn't happen overnight, but just the willingness to see them for what they are without fighting for them, about, you know, fighting to make them go away, um, relaxes them. They may still function to a certain degree every once in a while, but they don't own us anymore. And then life has a way of life feels smoother. I mean, things still happen. Sometimes difficult things still happen. But it doesn't feel so personal. It's something that happens. Yeah, this, this, you know, this organism needs to deal with it. Yes. But it doesn't define what we are essentially. That's the freedom.